episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by the wish and dream that we could have some of Jimmy G's money. Good Lord, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Man. <laughs> well done, Jimmy Garoppolo. We're going to get talk about it. A lot to get into. We're going to talk about the all of the crazy NBA trades for everyone but the Warriors. And then uh, a little bit of a retrospective. We and Raymond are going to have a nice conversation about the first team to five Super Bowls. We're talking 49ers dynasty versus the Patriots dynasty. Who did it better and why? But first, Goldcast intro. Let's get busy. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Goldcast. Welcome to another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Suisse III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis the first, baby. Boom. Raymond, it's official. It's done. Jimmy Garoppolo is the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. He is the franchise quarterback. He's ours. No one is getting him. He is the face of the franchise. Here we go. 2018 to 2019. The season has begun and it starts with Jimmy Garoppolo. And you know what? The five-year plan comes one year after the day when they brought on John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, which means that all three of these particular pieces are locked in sync for the next five years. So imagine the check that Jed York is going to have to dish out five years from now or sooner, depending on the, the level of success that's garnered between now and then. That is bananas. This whole situation is bananas. I am so pumped that we have Jimmy Garoppolo. Every franchise, every franchise is looking for a quarterback that they can put hang their helmet on. That is what they're looking for. And I feel we have already seen that the combination of Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan makes magic. And now... We have a full offseason to prepare. Now, the next thing we need to do is we need to protect this investment. I've been saying it from the get-go. We need an offensive line, particularly at the guards' positions. Hopefully, that will be addressed either in free agency or most likely the draft. But this is the biggest part, man. This is the biggest piece. This is the hardest piece to find in all of American sports. You got point guards like there's no tomorrow. You got 100-mile-per-hour pitchers like like there's literally guys on in, in the minors waiting for their chance to get up, but finding finding a franchise quarterback, finding a quarterback that can gel at the level this quarterback can with our coach, Kyle Shannon, finding that kind of cohesion, finding that kind of thing, that is a rare thing, and we have it, and now we can now focus on building out the rest of the team, but the centerpiece is done. The most important aspect to this team and to any team in American football is a starting quarterback, and we have him. Jimmy Garoppolo is here, $137.5 million over the next five years, a $74 million guaranteed, a lot of bonuses. I expect him to hit a lot of those bonuses. And we also have, uh, so he's, you know, he's, he'll make somewhere on any given year, depending on how his contract's laid out exactly, he, you know, somewhere around, you know, $27 million a year, making him one, the, what, the highest paid quarterback in the NFL right now. Is that true? I heard that. Is that confirmed, Ray? Um, on a year on a year by year basis. So um, his his base salary 
million. The roster bonus is twenty-eight million. The roster bonus is paid over the course of the season is about eight hundred thousand, and the, he gets a six hundred grand workout bonus. This is all this year, and prorated for the Super Bowl, I think, is uh, one point four million. The total cap hit is thirty-seven million. That means even if you were to deduct that from our total cap space, we're still the number two or three team in the NFL in terms of cap room. So even Jimmy G's contract couldn't really dent um, our wallet, you know, for the for, for this upcoming free agency season and also draft, which means we're still going to have a ton of room to work to get like one, two, or three, you know, notable veterans that can really contribute and add some depth and leadership qualities to the younger guys as we draft as because we have another nine picks don't know how many of those we'll spend and how many we'll trade but either way um, we're set on on acquiring players on what we can spend on players and we're set on what players we can develop uh in via the draft we're like in the best pot the the perfect storm is is about to happen in san francisco It really is. This is so exciting. You know, when Harbaugh took over in 2010, the real big question was uh, the, the quarterback question, what, what, what was going to happen with Alex Smith? That was a big lingering question. And also part of the problem at that time was that no one questioned the talent and the depth of the 49ers, but we just weren't sure what was going to happen at that centerpiece. We weren't sure if Alex Smith would fit into their system or if Harbaugh would be able to do anything with him or they were going to cut him. There were a lot of questions surrounding that piece, and that is the most important piece. So for this, this time, it's the inverse. Now we have the coach and the quarterback first, and that is the foundation. That is the starting block right there, and it's the hardest block to get. Now we can build outward. You know, it's kind of funny. It literally did happen reverse this time. Harbaugh was inherited inherited this great team with a couple questions at quarterback, in particular, if he really had what it took to uh, get us to the next level. Now, the flip side is now we have a quarterback, a great coach, and now it's time to build a team around them, which is it's, it's, it's interesting. I think that dynamic between the two differences between how that that particular era of the franchise started versus this particular era of the franchise has started. It's, it's the inverse of one another. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and so here's I a question. actually like, I like this combination better than the Harbaugh, you know, the Harbaugh Smith and Trent Baalke combination. I think this combination is much, much better, much more intriguing, way more upside. But uh, I was already kind of jazzed about just, the GM head coach combination before uh, at this time last year over over the Harbaugh Balky uh, marriage. I don't know how you about how you feel about well, John that. Lynch. Well, John Lynch, I had a lot of questions about John Lynch initially. You know, we 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 covered that extensively in um, in last year's podcast. If you want to go back and hear our pre John Lynch reservations about it, we were very reserved. But then he surrounded himself with executives with a ton of experience. And I think that really made the difference, especially Adam Peters coming over from Denver and Martin Mayhew coming over from Detroit. Those were huge, huge pickups. And I think that he 
he he what he did was he surrounded himself with the proper talent so that he wasn't just second guessing he put veterans in place that had the experience and the know-how and he trusted their experience to guide him as he went through his side the thing i really love the most about john lynch and the thing i think that the most important aspect he brings to this besides super bowl pedigree and super bowl experience is the fact that he as a defensive player and he's always going to keep the defense in mind and you have that balance with Kyle Shanahan who's an offensive guy and together it, it's just a perfect storm man this is the perfect storm I really it's like I want to pinch myself I can't believe we're in this scenario and again I'm going to just say it right now to all you Jed York haters out there who I've defended I've defended Jed York this entire time I was right I was right. Just want to say that. I was right. Look at that. He put this squad together. No one else did. He did. So so before, but he also put the Harbaugh squad together and the Balky squad together. So just saying, two different squads, two completely different styles. He learned from his mistakes and he's proven it with these hires. And these hires are proving it with the, with the personnel changes and the roster changes they've done. I cannot wait for next season. Uh, don't you feel like, don't you just want the season to start tomorrow? <laughs> Yes, I know. I, it's our favorite sport of all three sports. So whenever anything happens, we're always like all over it, like white on rice. And in this particular case, I'm like, all right. Um, so OTAs is tomorrow, right? Yeah, OTA starts tomorrow. <laughs> Everyone's back in it. And then um, the regular season has now been pushed to April right after the draft. So that's great. Uh, so we'll start preseason right after the draft, and it'll be great. Good times. Good times ahead. Good times ahead. I just got a text message from uh, Louis Bartoni, our LA co-host. Those of you who listen very regularly here, Louis Bartoni, he comes on, uh, you know, two or three times a year. The text message read, "Fuck the 49ers. So that's how you know we did good. I think I think he's saying that uh, because he knows that a Jimmy G's better than Goff, and b Kyle Shanahan's better than Sean McVay, and. And we've and we've locked him down. So now that the market is set for a quarterback of this caliber, should Goff reach any kind of potential, they're going to have, you know, the Rams and any other prospective team, because after this comes Drew Brees and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers contracts next. So after that, and if Goff continues to play well under this system, then, you know, the Rams will be in a position where they're going to have to pay a, a, a higher bid than this or, or at least match it because it only goes in one direction. It only goes in one direction, and I'm okay with that. That is going to be the matchup. This is the uh, this is the Seattle Seahawks 49ers rivalry renewed only this time in place of the Seahawks is the Los Angeles Rams. Let's go. Let's go. I can't wait. I am not scared of the Los Angeles Rams. I don't care how many games they won last year. I don't mean, care how many games they lost. Either. I mean, they were a one and done in the playoffs, anyways. They couldn't even handle that. After all that progress, that element of surprise, they just put up a stinker in the first round. Yup, they sure did. Hey, Raymond. So here's. Can I tell you the other big piece that we're missing that I feel we're we're let's, really missing now? Of course you can. Yeah, let's hear. We've it. got Jimmy G. We got Jimmy G on the offense, right? Killing it. We need. We need the Patrick Willis of this era, the Navarro Bowman, the Ronnie Lott. We need that, the J.J. Watt, you know, the, we need that one guy on defense 
that everybody is scared of. That one guy that teams have to double team, that which then paves the way for these outstanding rookies from the past couple years that are getting better and better with each passing season. We need that one dude that just scares the living daylights out of teams. That's the one thing I don't want to have happen, Ray. That's my one fear. I don't want it to happen. I don't want the 49ers just be a high-powered uh, West Coast version of the New England Patriots with no defense, no no balance, just pure AFC, air it up offense, you know, in, in the likes of like a Peyton Manning or uh, Tom Brady. That's not West Coast-style football. That's not NFC West. And honestly, that to me is boring-ass football. I want one nasty defense that puts the fear of God into offenses around the entire league. And we need that one guy. We got Jimmy G now on the offense. Now we need that defensive captain, that leader, that is going to put the fear of God into every other single team. That's what we need. Yeah, and I think uh, I think the league should be worried because now— now the most important piece has gotten taken care of, and it got taken care of in a way that symbolically sends the message to the rest of the league and the NFC West immediately that we wanted to get this done because this is that important. Because now now we can spend the rest of this offseason preparing for the draft and preparing for free agency to build around this guy and come after that title. Because that's all that's left to do. Now you get your offensive linemen in place, your guards, probably one or two, I would suspect, either through free agency or draft. Then you got to get decide what they're going to do with Carlos Hyde, whether they're going to draft a quarterback or perhaps bid for one that becomes available that fits the system well, like a Le'Veon Bell, for example. Um, and then you need to address an edge rusher, another linebacker, and one or two corners. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six potential pieces. I think wide receiver, they're set. They probably should draft one unless a really dynamic veteran player becomes available like an A.J. Green or something like that. But um, as it sees now, I really like the wide receiver core. We saw how well Gene was able to gel with that group and make them better players and make the offense much more click the way it was originally intended to click. So I think – that adding maybe a, a younger piece to work under Garcon and Goodwin would be the better would probably be the best move unless a true number one or two comes up, becomes available. Then you have that Marquise Goodwin moves back to slot, and then you put someone alongside Garcon. Um, but either way, you've got about five or you're about five six pieces away from becoming truly balanced. But as they stand right now, they're still immensely competitive as we saw last year with the five-game win streak, just as they are now. But just imagine when we get those last few pieces into place, what's going to happen with this team and how, how much more competitive we're going to become. Well, Ray, you said it best. You said it best right at the beginning of that, that discussion right there about all the pieces that we needed, about this is truly beginning now. The quest for six has begun. It is truly yeah, begun. Thought, and we're know, actually about six players years. away. I thought it was going to take a couple Me years, too. But for them to get this done, to be, for them to get this far ahead in the trajectory within the first season, after the first, like, eight games, Halloween, right? Halloween. For them to achieve this by, by midseason yep. last year, that is amazing. Uh, that's what I was hoping would happen just by – just by the pure savviness of John Lynch and the mind of Kyle Shanahan. But now they've got the most important piece already 
taken care of, then Jesus Christ. I mean, the the potential trajectory now, I think, takes a huge leap forward. It does. It really, really does. And you're right. We were saying, you and I were saying three years. We were going to say it's a three-year rebuild. And they managed to turn it around in about half a season. But of course, this all comes back to the main topic of the day. It comes down to Jimmy Garoppolo. And we discussed this before. When that trade went down, when the Jimmy G trade went down, I remember feeling so excited, so nervous, and just hoping Having 49er faithful in my blood, just having the faith and hoping that hopefully, maybe this guy is really as good as people think he is. The New England Patriots held on to him for three years. They groomed him to be the quarterback of the future, and we've seen the fallout of that. We've seen there's been a whole lot of fallout after that trade and amongst that team. There's been a lot of discussion whether or not it's all true or not. Either way... This was a controversial move for them. They had clearly groomed him. That is a fact. We all know that's a fact. They traded him to San Francisco 49ers. That is a fact. And then the pairing, and I said this before on the Goldcast, the difference I thought, the coup de grace, our secret weapon here was that we had Kyle Shanahan. And if there was anybody that could take the amount of potential and talent that had been shown in flashes in New England with Jimmy Garoppolo, it was going to be Kyle Shanahan, and he did, and he has, and now, oh my gosh, now we have this whole offseason, like you said, we are six pieces away, we are in a position right now to truly begin the quest for six, we're in a position right now to take this to the next level, and it is so exciting, 49er faithful, Goldcast Nation, you should be pumped, because it is here, the journey has begun, this marks the line in the sand when when they look back on this era of the 49ers if it's as successful as we think it is when we believe we believe that is the potential to end with with a ring they will look back on like the espn 30 for 30 and they will look back at the hiring of john lynch kyle shanahan and the trade for jimmy garoppolo as those being the three pieces that turned this entire franchise around and let's face it man the nfl is better when the 49ers are at the peak of their game. We are a legacy franchise. You've got the Steelers, the Cowboys, the Pats, and the 49ers. Those are the legacy franchises. We own the most Super Bowls among us in the entire league. The 49ers have lost and been, they've lost more NFC championships than any other team because we are always one game away from the Super Bowl. We have won more more football games on Monday night than any other team in any other stadium. That was the old Candlestick Stadium record. Great, One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. We're going to talk a little bit about franchise first in terms of getting first to five. But this is a legacy franchise. And the NFL is better when the 49ers are better. That's just a fact. But you're right, Raymond. I liked everything you said. And I really feel like we can accomplish at least three of those roles in this offseason, how many of those roles do you think we could get done realistically at top level? I think you probably get one or two veteran stars and probably a bunch of more rookies. I think, I think, yeah. Uh, um, on the defensive side, it really depends on who's available. There's not a lot of good corners that will become free agents that would really fit our system. Um, I wouldn't, I know that Pierre Garçon made a made an a pass at Malcolm Butler. I would not like him in our system at all. He's not a good corner. 
He's played good in the past, but he did not have a good season this year, was benched for the Super Bowl. That's not a good sign. Um, was ranked was ranked 47th overall in the uh, Bleacher Support Bleacher Report statistics. Was ranked 78th in tackles. I mean, he almost had as much total tackles as Gwaski Tart, and Gwaski Tart didn't even play half the season. Um, and he only there was only a total tackle difference of five between both those players. So if that's all he can do, and, and Malcolm Butler played all 16 games. Jaguasi um, Tart played half, so that to me says no way. Although you know, sometimes when players move over, you know they get refreshed, and sometimes they get rejuvenated depending on where they go. You know, Carlos Rogers was a good example of that, coming from the Redskins over to the Niners and Harbaugh system, and having his first Pro Bowl year with, I think, five or seven picks. Um, but that was his only his only good year ever. But um, I, I still wouldn't trust a guy like Malcolm Butler. Anyways, to make a long story longer. Um, I think about one or two veterans, probably two veterans, I would say, two two or three big-time I mean, they're going to make a bunch of signings because you have a 90-man roster to fill, and then you're going to weed them out as you get through OTAs and preseason and training camp um, as the competition, you know, starts to whittle out the haves and the have-nots. So expect multiple veterans, but I think we're going to find those two main veterans that are going to make a difference. I think we're going to find at least two of them, and then everyone else will kind of be supplemented through the draft. Yep, I think you're probably right, Raymond. You usually are. So let's move on. Let's leave it there. We will come back. This is obviously a story that is further developing as we head into the draft season, which is where we're quickly going to. Now let's take a turn, Raymond, over to the NBA trade deadline. That just happened, and the Warriors were pretty quiet, and uh, there there was there was actually no movement, no trades. They they kept the team exactly as is. And the first question I have for you was: This the right decision? Uh, I think so because it's not like they were fumbling around like the Cavaliers did. You know, the Cavaliers had to turn over their entire roster just to to realign to hopefully the the hope is to there's no guarantee it's going to happen but the hope is to realign themselves in time for the playoffs to make a run at this thing whereas the warriors just kind of need to get their head out of their asses and just kind of play basketball the way you know how to play basketball when you give up the ball 20 plus times they're barely over 500 when they give up the ball less than 16 times they've only lost once so you know, just stick to the habits that have gotten you here. Draymond needs to cool his ass out straight up because he's just gone way too overboard. He's, You know, the year after they lost the finals, he came back that year and was very much better disciplined towards the refs and towards getting calls. Now he's arguing every single call every single time, and that's just a bit excessive and exaggerated if you ask me. Chill out. Chill out. Otherwise, you're going to cost us uh, you know, you're going to perhaps a playoff run. You know, we might. there's a good chance that we might stumble in the playoffs or possibly, worst-case scenario, get eliminated because Draymond is a huge, huge component to the defensive side of, of our team. So if he continues at this rate, he's uh, – look, I think here's, what, here's the thing. There's no uh, – the only thing I can guarantee out of Draymond is that he's going to get two more checks and he's going to get suspended. 
But um, I just hope that they turn it on when it comes to the – or he turns it on when it comes to the playoffs. But in terms of the trade, yeah, I think the Warriors are fine. They, yeah, they lost a few games, you know, back-to-back. Ooh, whoop-de-doo. They're still on top of the entire league. They're tied with the Rockets right now, with the exception of a few more wins than them. So I, I think it's a good wake-up call because that number one seed is very important. But I don't think they had to really make any changes. Patrick McCall opted to go to the G League to get some reps to get his head out of his ass. So hopefully that's enough for him because he's not been shooting well. David West had a good night last night. They crushed Dallas. I mean, they're a little rocky in the early quarter, but uh, they came back in typical Warrior fashion and kind of dominated from the third quarter, end of the third quarter throughout the fourth and beat them by double digits. It, was, it ended up being a classic Warrior win in the end, but in the beginning it was a little fumbly. So I hope this is a trend of them getting back to their ways. I have faith that they will because they're too good, they're too deep, they're too well coached to, to fall off the horse. I just don't see it. So I'm okay with them not making any moves. Would it have been nice to see them get someone like A.B. Bradley? Absolutely. Am I, you know, worried that they didn't get him? Absolutely not because all the pieces are in place. They just need to get their heads straight. That's it. I agree. I agree, and I think sometimes uh, the amount of success they have and their ability to simply "quote unquote" turn it on, they get in, they get in they they're getting into a little bit of that Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron, Eric Gray zone that they like to they've been hovering. They were hovering that way in the Heat, and eventually that catches up to you. That's the problem. It will catch up to you. It will not. It it's not sustainable, and it it eventually bites you in the ass. Let's go over to our esteemed competition our enemies over in the east the cavaliers blew it up they blew that motherfucker up uh, that whole team oh my goodness it is it's completely here here's what you got the Cavs traded isaiah thomas to the lakers they traded thomas and channing fry and their 2018 first round pick for jordan clarkson and nance jr then they traded for rodney hood and george hill they, 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 Rodney, George Hill and Rodney Hood came to the Cavs. They traded Derrick Rose and Jay Crowder to the Jazz. Joe Johnson, Iman Shumper, and a 2020 second pick to Sacramento. <laughs> and Dwayne, then Dwayne they traded Dwayne. <laughs> yep, for a protected Get second round pick. <laughs> He's done. So that is it. Now, let me ask you does this make them any better? On paper, it does, because they got younger. They got more athletic. They they got a couple of better shooters, so they can shoot better, theoretically, if they were to keep pace. But the one thing that concerns me, or, well, let's be, let, let me be on, let me backtrack here. The one thing that I don't give a shit about, but if you're a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, you should be concerned about, is the fact that they gave up six guys and replaced them all with brand new guys, younger guys. So they got younger, they got more athletic, which is great um, in theory on paper. But I don't know if there's enough time left in the season for them to really gel in a way to make an impactful run. I mean, LeBron James is obviously going to be an equalizer because that's how good and dynamic he is. But I just don't know if he's enough with Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith, who are who don't match up very well against the Warriors, um, to do any damage to the playoffs, you know, let alone beat the Warriors. I mean, let's let's 
let's be honest. I don't think they make the finals this year. I don't think they got enough in there to beat the the, the Rockets or the Rockets, the uh, the Celtics. Celtics. Because there's just not enough time. There's not enough time for them to figure themselves out, establish their identity, and what they want to do. Because these new pieces uh, give you a little bit more flexibility in what you want to do schematically. So you obviously can't run the same thing. And I don't know if Tyron Lue has got enough savviness and time to put it all together, you know, to really do damage. I just don't, I don't see it. So while it, while it helps them for the, for the future, I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference this season. So now you're changing your tune. And now brother Raymond, Raymond Solis, the first, the greatest fan in the game. Now you're telling me Rudy Solis, the third, the biggest SF homer in the game. You're telling me that you don't believe the Cavaliers are going to make the finals. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they get past Boston, and it depends what the other teams do. Boom. But Boston is a team to beat, baby. They really are, and I've been saying it. Have I not been saying that all along? Haven't? Haven't? Didn't I say how? Didn't I say how bad? The Isaiah Thomas trade was. I was yelling it from the top of the hills of this of this podcast. Was I not, Raymond? Yep. Yep. I said from the beginning, and, uh, and, and this it. was. I, a, I think that I think the true winner of this trade is the Lakers. Yeah. I the Lakers. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I would agree. They're the big. They're the, they're a big winner of this trade. I agree with you as well that the, this is a this team is so young, so many inexperienced pieces that are all being put together and expected to take this team with LeBron to the finals. He is the great equalizer, one hundred percent. But is he going to get past a well-oiled machine like like Boston right now with all these young pieces? I mean, this is essentially going to become Kyrie versus LeBron. This is that's actually going to be a great series. I really look forward to that series. I do believe they and will the, probably the, the be staring the, each the other Cavs down. Are better coach. The Cavs are better coach because if you play for Cleveland, you're going to have you mean the Celtics. You're going to have Tyron Lue, and then you're going to have uh, assistant head coach LeBron James. Yeah, I was saying. I was saying you meant you meant the you meant the uh, the Celtics are better coached. Sorry, yes, Boston is better coached with eight, with uh, Brad Stevens, um, and Tyron 100%. Lue is always you know sharing that role with LeBron James, which is would just drive me crazy if I was a head coach. Yeah, no, it's. I I think you're right. I think it's a done deal uh, as far as Boston going. Well, I'm not saying it's going to done deal. I think it's pretty much it's in their favor now. Anything can happen when you're down to like the final four in the NBA. Pretty much, really anything can happen. You know, it's often just a couple baskets, a couple shots difference. Raymond, we're almost done for the day. We almost got to get out of here. But before we get out of here, we had a great little debate going, and I definitely want to hear what everyone else thinks about this. The first to five. So we were talking about after in the wake of the loss of the the Pats to the Eagles, who had the greater dynasty? Because everyone talks about the dominancy of, of the Patriots and, oh, this is so unparalleled. But need we forget the 49ers got to five Super Bowls between 81 and 95. They did it with two different head coaches. Two different quarterbacks, in fact, traded away their Tom Brady. Traded, traded away the greatest quarterback that ever played the game up until that point, and who's arguably still by, considered by many to be the greatest quarterback of all time. The only perfect Super Bowl quarterback in existence. The only quarterback that is the owner of the perfect stat: four Super Bowl rings, 
three MVPs, 11 touchdown passes, zero interceptions, zero losses, zero controversies. Greatest, so, the greatest quarterback rating, too, of any Super Bowl, Super Bowl quarterback. There you Still go. Still has that record. So, so we traded him away. Bill Walsh retired. George Seifert took over. Steve Young became the new quarterback. And we still got to five faster than any other team in NFL history. Now, the flip side argument, the flip side argument is, of course, well, the Pats, the Pats did it. The Pats went to eight Super Bowls in 17 years, you know, and came away with five. So is losing more over a longer time better? Or is going undefeated in a shorter time better? Ray, I want to hear your answer first. Uh, I'm going to give this to Joe. I'm going to give this to Joe Montana because now you've lost. Look, he's gone to eight. There's no question that that is amazing. But Joe won four in a shorter amount of time. It took Tom Brady eight tries just to beat Joe in a longer span of time. And even then, he had to lose three times to do that. He had to throw picks to do that. He had to, you know, not have as good as a passer rating to do that. So when you look at it from that perspective, and the fact that Joe Cool was pretty much flawless every time he was there and did it faster than Tom Brady could do it, I'm going to say the the goat is back. Baby, come back. Well, yeah, but but I, <laughs> No, but I'm talking about who had the greatest run to 5. Was it the well, Niners in terms or of the franchises, I'm going to give that one to the Niners because for the same exact reasons. They they won 5 titles in less time. They never lost and the Patriots took longer to win five and lost three in the process to win five. So even though they've had more trips than any other team in NFL history, which of course is a record in and of itself, but ultimately amounts to nothing unless you claim the ring. You need the jewels to really earn the seat at the throne. You don't get to sit there. Hey, you you you, you the need Buff- the Buffalo- you need the jewels to have the crown. Exactly. The Buffalo Bills aren't what do they what do they have to do? They went to four straight Super Bowls, which is an amazing accomplishment in and of itself, but they don't have a single solitary stone around their finger to show for it, which means that it amounts to nothing because they got nothing for doing that. You've got to win it all, baby. And uh, when you drop three out of eight and win five, compared to the team who went to five and never lost, then you got to say that the greatest franchise to win five titles within a 15-year stretch is, without a doubt, the San Francisco 49ers. I'm sorry, but the, that is not even fanboyism. That is statistical fact. That's that's a scientific fact. That's a scientific fact. I love it. I agree. First to five. The real caveat for me on my side 
it's the first. They did it with two different head coaches and two quarterbacks. Two different quarterbacks. Had you traded away Tom Brady after the fourth one? Well, maybe they would have won because they would have had Jimmy G. Ah! Anyways, but never mind. I digress. That didn't happen. <laughs> uh, they did happen. <laughs> but we got rid of our head coach and traded our, our head coach retired and we traded our number one quarterback, the best quarterback of all time. And we still won another Super Bowl. And we still did it faster than the Patriots. And we still went undefeated. So there you go. I agree. Uh, what do you guys think? Let us know in the comments. YouTube, you guys are always on fire. Let us know who had the greater run to five Super Bowl rings. The 49ers or the Pats. Tell us why. We also want to hear what you think about the Jimmy G finalization of his contract. Warriors stand still. Cavs make the big changes. Will we see these two teams face each other in the end? And do, do the Cavs have enough now to get back to the finals? Let us know in the comments. Raymond, before we finish, why don't you let them know where can they find us? You can like us at facebook.com slash thegoldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at thegoldcast underscore. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Goldcast. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same name of the Goldcast. Like, comment, subscribe, get notified, join the comment section. We do our best to reply to everybody as long as you are polite about it. Um, so do mm -hmm. us a favor. Give us feedback. Give us reviews. Help us spread the word. Do the right thing, Spike Lee. Do the... Do the right thing. Spike Lee, Goldcast Nation. It grows literally with every episode. Raymond, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Ray Solis. You can also find me on Instagram at Ray Solis one Boom. You can find me on Instagram, Rudy Solis 3. And on Twitter, Rudy Solis 3RD, Rudy Solis 3rd. So concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Solis 3rd. And with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Solis the first, baby. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same gold cast time. Same gold cast channel. This is, is the gold.